Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Well, hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I don't have any comments, and uh, that's good because uh, we had some comments last time, and then we, we didn't get to finish the program. So, so on our last podcast, Grant Turge and I, we were working hard to finish with Chapter 36, and we didn't do it. So, so for today's program, Grant and I will begin, or no, I shouldn't say begin, we'll continue our discussion on chapter 36. Then we're going to move into two short chapters, uh, 37 and 38. So, uh, welcome back, Grant. Thank you. So, let's talk more about chapter 36. It is probably, I don't know, the most important chapter in the whole book, right. I, I think. So, uh, so we, we were, we were, Finishing up our discussion about uh, that, we talked about the gold doubloon and how Ahab is really trying to you know get the men on his side, get them excited for what he wants, and essentially what he's doing is he's hijacking the Pequod because it's it's no longer going to be a whaler; it's going to be a, a ship of vengeance. <laughs> That's exactly what it's going to be. So, so the the three harpooners, it's really interesting. Uh, we we've, we talked about um, Tashtigo and we talked about the goo, but then what really surprised me when reading this, Queequeg also knows about Moby Dick. Yes. <laughs> you know, bottom of page seventy six, he says, and and have and he have one, two, three, oh, good many iron in him hide. Two captain cried Queequeg disjointedly, all twisky, be twist like him, like him, faltering hard for a word. And screwing his hand round and round as though uncorking a bottle, like him, like him. Corkscrew, said Ahab. Yay! Yay, Queequeg. The harpoons lie all twisted and wrenched in him. Aye, the goo, his spout is a big one, like a whole shock of wheat, and white as a pile of our Nantucket wool, after the great annual sheep shearing. Aye, Tashtigo, and he fantails like a split jib in a squall. Death and devils, man, it is Moby Dick. You have seen Moby Dick. Moby Dick. <laughs> so he's, he's excited because the harpooners, they know Moby Dick. Yes, we really learned so much about Ahab and why he was so quiet for so long. We didn't quite know what was disturbing him, and it was just this lust for revenge on Moby Dick, this whale that just does what it does by instinct. It doesn't, probably doesn't remember who Captain Ahab is or, or that he even took Captain Ahab's leg. But Captain Ahab is just obsessed with revenge on just this one specific right. whale. And this was also part of Ahab's devious plan. He's not going to tell anyone until they're way out at sea that actually, no, we're not just generally going after whales. We're going to traverse the world to try to just get this one whale. One whale. They're, they're, they're already far, far away from Nantucket. And New Bedford, <laughs> they are far away, and so, so essentially, I mean, Ahab's pretty smart. They can't mutiny; they can't go back. You know, what I mean, well, they could make him walk the plank, but he persuaded them immediately. He appealed to their greed, like you said, yep. and they they want that money. They're That's going right. to get 
kind of rich if yeah. they can be the one to capture or kill Moby Dick. Yeah. So so the the only one that that we know of right away that does not agree with Captain Ahab is who? Starbuck. Starbuck. <laughs> so Starbuck is a, and it's really revealed in this chapter. Starbuck it definitely is a man of reason. I mean, he's he's also got his moral principles. He's also has Christian principles. And he says, Captain Ahab said Starbuck, who with stub and flask had thus far been eyeing his superior with increasing surprise, but at last seemed struck with a thought which somewhat explained all the wonder. Captain Ahab, I have heard of Moby Dick, but it was not Moby Dick that took off thy leg. And so, so essentially, if you notice the punctuation there, he's asking a question. He said, surely, now these three guys have heard of Moby Dick, but surely it wasn't Moby Dick that took off your leg. <laughs> and what does that do to Ahab? <laughs> oh, who told you that, he says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes berserk. He says, I, Starbuck, I, my heart is all around. It was Moby Dick that dismantled me. Moby Dick that brought me to this dead stump I stand on now. Aye, aye, he shot it with a terrific, loud animal sob, like that of a heart-stricken moose. Uh, have you ever heard of an heart-stricken moose? That would be horrifying uh, to It would be horrifying. I've seen moose. And, uh, you know, they, they are a lot taller than I am. <laughs> you know, he says, aye, aye, and I'll chase him around Good Hope, around the Horn, around the Norway Maelstrom, round Perdition's flames before I give him up. And this is what you have shipped for, men, to chase that white whale on both sides of the land over all sides of earth till spouts black and blood rolls thin out. What say you, men? You will splice hands on it now. I think you do look brave. Aye, aye, shouted the harpooners and seamen, running closer to the excited old man. A sharp eye for the white whale, a sharp lance for Moby Dick. They've gone nuts. The seamen are right with him, <laughs> except for Starbuck. Well, and they were surprised that they were this excited, too. They didn't think they would support him this much. This was not their initial mission. This is why Starbuck is offended. Plenty of people financed this vessel, and they just want to get some oil and other parts from the whale and make some money off of that. They're not trying to finance Captain Ahab's personal revenge tour. Right. So Starbuck is probably considering these other people, everyone who put money into this, and, and Ahab is essentially committing fraud by changing the mission without the permission of the people who paid money for that mission to take place. But, but if, you know what, if you notice what he says to the men, this is what you ship for. And that's not what Ishmael said in the beginning. He asked, remember he asked, Bildad asked him, so why do you want to do this? I want to learn about whaling. You know, he said, I want to see the world. But now Ahab is telling all these men, this is what you ship for. And they agree. Well, he does make a very convincing case. Ahab yeah. does get them pretty motivated because he's talking about this life and death battle. <laughs> Essentially, he's saying good versus evil. Moby Dick must die. He deserves it. And you can all help me with that and be heroes for it. It, it sounds like, quite frankly, quite a bit more intriguing than what their original goal was right just right. to collect some oil basically and their lays were going to be really bad <laughs> right <laughs> they have a bad he's lay. saying i'll pay you better on this new job that's than right. you would have gotten before that's right yeah and so, so I, I think it's really kind of fascinating 
that that um, you know they, they didn't seem to have a problem with it. Starbucks is just distraught with the whole thing, and uh, uh, but but they they rush towards him. You know they want to they they want to be in his company, and I think it does show, and and that you know the the kind of leadership we need is that's what we need in this country. That's what we need in this world. This world, I mean, the world is falling apart because you don't have true leaders that can really motivate people to get on board with what we need to do. And, uh, you know, President Trump had that ability. And he still has that ability. You know, they, you know Joe Biden goes out for a visit. <laughs> hardly anybody there. You know, President Trump is still gathering crowds of 95,000 people. You know, <laughs> well, there are some people who get you excited when they talk, and other people who just don't. Yeah, there's boring. Yeah. Even even if you would disagree with everything someone says, some people just have that charisma, and they're just natural leaders, and people gravitate to them and want to follow them into fire. Sometimes people just will follow them wherever the leaders take them, but other leaders put you to sleep. Yeah, and Ahab, even though he had a bad goal. He still inspired the people to follow him, and they basically got swept away in emotion. And Starbucks, the only one who was able to keep his sound mind during yeah. all of that. Yeah, you know, true true leadership involves you know having strong morals, but it also has the has the ability to motivate people to do what's right. And and here Ahab is a great example of someone that can motivate people. He was just motivating him to do what he wanted, not what really should be done. But uh, uh, notice that as uh, what goes on here, uh, they ran closer to him. And, and notice Ahab is getting really moved by this. He says, God bless you. You seem to, you, he seemed to half sob and half shout. God bless you, man. Steward, go draw the great measure of grog. But what's this long face about, Mr. Starbuck? Will thou not chase the white whale or not game for Moby Dick? So, so he already got them with the doubloon. doubloon. Now he's going to break out the grog, <laughs> you know, which was really would have been there to relax them after catching a lot of whales, you know, and I'm, I'm sure they, 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 you know, they had those things on the ships for that reason. And uh, uh, notice what, what Starbuck answers back. He says, I am game for his crooked jaw and for the jaws of death too, Captain Ahab, if it fairly comes in the way of the business we follow. So he's saying, look, I'm standing up for the, the, the business people. He says, but I came here to hunt whales, not my commander's vengeance. <laughs> and so, so he, you know, Starbucks, Starbucks has, it, um, has it right. He says, how many barrels will your vengeance yield thee even if thou gets it, Captain Ahab? It will not fetch thee much in our Nantucket market. Now, th this next page... Um, is, is and of course, the, the volume I'm reading is uh, page 178, and the, the reason I have this one is the type is a little larger, and it's, it's easier for me to read when we're trying to rush through radio. But, uh, but notice how what, what Ahab comes back with, and I think there's something that we need to think deeper about here. He, he goes, Nantucket Market, hoot. But come closer, Starbuck. You requires a little lower layer. If money's to be the measurer, man, and the accountants have computed their great counting house, the globe, by girding it with guineas, one to every three parts of an inch, then let me tell you that my vengeance will fetch a great premium here. 
So he's saying he's he's telling Stubb the way you measure things is not right, but the way he measures things is right. And so so you know in this church we've heard a lot about being measured, and you know there there is there is something just surprising about Melville. He's thinking about this. He's thinking about this as he's writing this. And, you know, how do you measure a human life? And, uh, you know, what, what do you, what, what do you as a human being, what is, what is something that you measure most? You know, it's, 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 this is an amazing chapter here. Uh, notice it said, he smites his chest, whispered Stubb. So there's Stubb. He's looking at Starbuck and Starbuck is doing, you know, not Starbuck. Um, he's, he's looking at Ahab and Ahab's, you know, beating his chest saying, look, I know how to measure things. You know, and, and, and so Stubb says, he smites his chest, whispered Stubb. What's that for? He thinks it rings most vast, but hollow. <laughs> and he said, vengeance on a dumb brute, cried Starbuck. This is somewhat what you were saying. That simply smote thee from the blindest instinct? Madness. To be enraged with a dumb thing, Captain Ahab, seems blasphemous. And so yeah, it is. It's like, why is he so crazy about this? Well, Ahab tells us. He says, hark ye yet again, the little lower layer, all visible objects, man, are but pasteboard masks. But in each event, in the living act, the undoubted deed, there some unknown but still reasoning thing puts forth the moldings of, it fe- of its features from behind the unreasoning mask. And so, so this is Melville. This is Melville struggling in his life with spiritual concepts. He says, every living thing is wearing like a mask. And it's like, what's behind it? That's the thing that is driving Melville crazy. And he said, if man will strike, strike through the mask. And so, so he says, how can the prisoner reach outside except by thrusting through the wall? To me, the white whale is that wall shoved near to me. Sometimes I think there's not beyond, but tis enough. He tasks me, he heaps me. I see in him outrageous strength with an inscrutable malice sinewing it. It's the inscrutable thing that is chiefly what I hate. And be the white whale the agent or the white whale principle, I will wreak through the hate upon him till not to be of me blasphemy man, I'd strike the son if it insulted me. And uh, essentially what he's saying there, I'll, I'll move down a little bit. Take off thine eye, more intolerable than then fiends, Garings is a dotish stare. So, so what he's saying is there. He's what he's after is not so much the white whale; it's what's behind the white whale. Right, and he's he's trying to break through this personal barrier. He's essentially telling the crew, "If you love me, help me break through. I yeah. can't share a, a world with this beast. Right. <laughs> as long as this beast is alive, it's like I'm trapped behind this wall." Yeah. And, and there's nothing else I can do or think about until we get past this. And so because the crew is loyal to Ahab, they're like, well, sure, we'll, we'll engage your personal obsession here. We'll, we'll indulge in that to help you out. Yeah. And so, so what he's telling you, that takeoff line you're an eye, he's talking, he's talking directly to Starbuck. He's, he's just said, staring at him blankly. Kind yeah. Of. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that. He's, he's like totally star. He's, he's, he's Starbuck, but he's starstruck by how all these people are just going right along with it. I like, I like to, uh, Starbuck, he really just, he has a reasonable approach here. He just thinks the whales are interchangeable. 
like you come across a whale, it's going to pose a similar threat to the next whale that you come across. Each whale is going to provide similar parts that you're going to be able to sell for similar amounts of money. But, you know, Ahab is a lot more specific. He only cares about one whale in the entire world, even though other whales would have done the same thing to him. It's just yeah. interesting how different those two approaches are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so like I said, I think that, that here, um, Melville is trying, he's, he's uh, just really struggling with life. And he, this is like his symbol of, you know, even your, your grandfather told me one time, he, it's too bad he had to write a novel to try and get to what he really wanted to write about, <laughs> you know. But it's there for us if we really take it out. I, I want you to notice on the very top paragraph there on the next page, if, if you have it, it's like my page is 179. It says, I see the billow lifts thee, speak but speak. I, I, thy silence then that voices thee. Notice right in the middle of the sentence there, there's a, there's a, a, a word, it's in a parenthesis called aside. And so, so if, if you look at a play like Hamlet, Hamlet talks to the audience all the time. And I saw one at, at Stratford, I saw Hamlet done at Stratford. And that, the actor was so good, he had the people answering him. <laughs> He'd ask a question and they would answer him, you know, or they would talk to him. But so, so he's, he's pulling aside, and this is, it's like we're in a play, and Starbucks trying to get something across. He said, something shot from my delighted nostrils. He has inhabited in his lungs. Starbuck now is mine, cannot oppose me now without rebellion. And so essentially, all that we just saw here on the previous page, it's all was orchestrated to get Starbuck on his side. <laughs> right. I picture like a, a snorting bull, like a raging bull, and that's Ahab here. And somehow he he spews this air out of his nostrils with such force that it, it like stuns Starbuck into submission. And he yeah. realized there's nothing I can do here. Yeah. No one else is on my side. I can't mutiny this man. Everyone supports him. I'm stuck out here in the middle of the sea, <laughs> so I have to go and help Ahab, even if it drags me to my death. Right, right. And notice what he says. He says, God help me. Keep us all, murmured Starbuck lowly. Uh, it goes on there and says, but in his joy at the enchanted tacit acquiescence of the mate, Ahab did not hear his foreboding invocation, nor yet the low laugh from the hold. And so remember now, there's still people in the hold the secret people that haven't haven't been uh, identified yet so so um but but notice it says uh uh in the middle of that paragraph it says for again starbucks downcast eyes lighted up with the stubbornness of life the subterranean laugh died away the winds blew on the sails filled out the ship heaved and rolled as before ah uh, you admonitions and warnings why stay you not when we when you come but rather you are predictions that warnings you shadows Yet not so much predictions from without as verifications of the foregoing things within. For with little external to constrain us, the innermost necessities in our being, these still drive us on. And notice what Ahab says again there. The measure, the measure, cried Ahab. And so so there's there's a lot there, and I, I still it's still it keeps me up at night thinking, what was he thinking? What's he, what's he mean, the measure, the measure? I can't find it anywhere. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, th then it goes on uh, in the chapter about you know, the ceremony, the pagan ceremony gets worse. So remember, you got the three harpooners that are pagans. Then he said, receiving the brimming pewter, pewter 
and turning to the harpooners, he ordered them to produce their weapons. Then ranging with them before him near the capstan with their harpoons in their hands, while his three mates stood at the side with their lances, and the rest of the ship's company formed a circle around the group, he stood for an instant, searchingly eyeing every man of his crew. But those wild eyes met his, at the bloodshot eyes of the prairie wolves meet the eye of their leader, ere he rushes on at their head in the trail of the bison, but alas, only to fall into the hidden snare of the Indian. <laughs> so that's that's deep. <laughs> There's a lot of symbolism there and, and a lot of foretelling of the future. These yeah. whales or these wolves here, the crew, they're all wolves and they're following their their yeah. leading wolf right into the trap. Yeah, and, and notice what it says there. Drink and pass, he cried, handing the heavy charged flag into the nearest seaman. The crew alone now drink, round with it round, shirt draw its lo- it's it's like this is a pagan blood ceremony and they're drinking <laughs> they're drinking whale's blood. And uh, you know, it's, it's really kind of graphic. And uh, uh, notice it says, so uh, next page over, it says, so it goes round excellently, it spirals in, forks out as a serpent snapping eye. Well done, almost drained. That's the way it went. This way it comes. Hand it me. There's a hollow. There, he's having them really get tanked, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then he says, advance you mates, cross your lances full before me. Well done. Let me touch the axis, saying... Uh, so saying, with extended arm, he grasped the three level, radiating lances at their cross center. While so doing, suddenly and nervously twitched them, meanwhile glancing intently from Starbuck to Stub, from Stub to Flask. It seemed as though by some nameless interior volition he would fain have shocked into them the same fiery emotion accumulated within the laden jar of his own magnetic life. And so that's where I got the idea of the you know, the electric shock. It's like a Leyden jar has this powerful voltage in it. So so it could be that it wasn't actually uh, lightning there. It could be that it was just his influence. That's just, it's interesting though, that that, that picture, and he's just touching their lances as they're all crossed, <laughs> his, the, his three chief leaders underneath him. Yeah. And, and uh, he, he wants to electrocute them with his energy, his and, energy and passion. And I think that's what he's talking about. He's got the measure, the measure. I you know, do it my way. You got it. You got it this way. So um, anyway, it says Stubb and Flask looked sideways from him. The honest eye of Starbuck fell downright. So Starbuck is still not uh, ready. But but it says that the ma- that the the three mates were quailed. They're fearful. They were afraid of what was happening. They couldn't keep eye contact. Any no, of them. No. So Starbuck looked down, but even the other two looked away, right? Right. Stub and Flask. So, so, but anyway, if you notice, it goes down here. He said uh, in the next paragraph, it says, In vain, cried Ahab, but maybe tis well, for you did three, but once take the full force shock, then mine own electric thing that perhaps expired from me. And then he goes down. Notice he says, What then? The great Pope washes the feet of the beggars using his terror for a ewer. That's just a big pot. Oh, my sweet cardinals, your condescension that show shall bend you to it. I do not order you, you will it. Cut your seizings and draw the poles, you harpooners. So it's, it's like this, this big religious ceremony. He's like the Pope. And, uh, you know, they're all, he's getting them all to submit and surrender. Um, it says, silently obeying the order of the three harpooners, now stood with the detached iron part of their harpoons, some three foot long, uh, held up barbs before him. And he says, stabbing not with them, cant them, cant them over. 
Know you not the goblet end? And so he's filling their, he's filling their heads of their harpoons. You know, they, they have to fit on the stake. So he's filling it with a grog. And now they're, they're all like joining in the blood ceremony. <laughs> Upside down harpoon heads. Yeah. And they're drinking out of them. And they're drinking out of them. And he said, uh, now three to three you stand. Commend the murderous challenge. Chalices, bestow them. You who are now made parties to this indissoluble league. Ha, Starbuck, but the deed is done. Yon ratifying son now waits to sit upon it. Drink, you harpooners, drink and swear. You that man that dreadful, deathful well-boats bow, death to Moby Dick. God hunt us all if we do not hunt Moby Dick to his death. So he's got them. He's got Starbuck right there. He says, once more and finally, the replenished pewter went the rounds among their frantic crew. When waving his free hand to them, they all dispersed and Ahab retired within his cabin. I just realized now that's similar to the ancient King Ahab when his wife Jezebel said, if we don't kill the prophet Elijah within a couple days, may we be the ones who die. Yeah. And, and so she did end up dying. And now here, Captain Ahab is saying, God, kill us if we don't kill Moby Dick first. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar again. It's, 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 he knew his Bible. He's, it's really amazing. Yeah. So um, I think we can finish since if we go to chapter uh, 37. This is uh, another um, Melville uh, experimentation. And it's, it's called Sunset, but essentially what it is is uh, Shakespeare's soliloquy by Ahab. We get to learn even more about Ahab's inner thoughts, yeah, and yeah. they are some terrifying thoughts. Yeah, he considers himself the head of the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's wearing the crown of Lombardy, and that's what that is. It, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of symbolism behind that. They, they say that the, the iron crown of Lombardy was made from an, uh, an iron nail that was used to crucify Christ. So he's putting himself almost like a Christ figure. You know. He says the crown cuts him in the head. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't fit well. No, no. And he says, uh, notice that I'll just read the top part. So, so you have to look at this like a play setting. He, he's in his cabin, but he's, he's at the window. He's sitting alone and he's gazing out. He says, I leave a white and turbid wake, pale waters, paler cheeks, wherever I sail. The envious billows sidelong swell to whelm my tracks. Let them, but first I pass. And so, so here he's having all these things uh, in his mind, but, but he's, he's really burdened with his task. You know, it's like, uh, in, in my mind, sometimes I feel like, like maybe Melville is, is trying to set up the condition, and I don't want to take this too far, but it's, it's like that, you know, we're going to come to some later chapters where they think that, that uh, there's a demon in Moby Dick. And I'm just wondering if he's really thinking that he's going after Satan the devil. Mm. You know, and here they put put a Christ image in there. You know, that this uh but you know, Christ obviously is is not the uh head of the Roman Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> Christ is not even the leader of the Catholic Church, you know. <laughs> you know like uh, years ago they used to say, you know, I, there I was uh, living around a group of um um Oh, what's the religion from Utah? Just oh, Mormons. Mormons. Yeah, where they said that when Christ returned, he wasn't coming to Rome. He was coming to Salt Lake City. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they said. 
Uh, we all know where he's going. When he returns, he's going to Jerusalem. All right. But 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 anyway, if if you if you look at what what the, this chapter really is starting to say is that that uh, I think Ahab feels he's really burdened down by his leadership. And then uh, over on the next page, he, he said, if you look at it, he says, "Oh, hard that to fire others, and the match itself must be needs be wasting." So he says it's, it's exhausting for him to get everybody fired up. Yes, you know. And he said, what I've dared, I've willed. And what I've willed, I'll do. They think me mad. Starbuck does, but I'm demonic or demonic. He says he's got, he's got problems, too. He's possessed. And he says, I am madness maddened. <laughs> he doesn't seem to know if he's good or evil. He's, he's saying he's like Jesus Christ, but then he's saying he's demoniac. So, like, which, which one is he? He you doesn't know, even really know. You know what? I don't think he cares. Right. He just wants the power. He is who he is. Yeah. He's got power. He knows he has power. Uh, he says that wild menace that's, that's only calm to comprehend itself. Notice he goes on to say the prophecy was that I should be dismembered. Now that's the first time that comes up in this book, that there was a prophecy about that. And he says, and I lost this leg. I now prophesy I will dismember the dismemberer. So now he's, he's almost like he's become Elijah, the prophet, <laughs> you know. And I think Elijah was at the time of Ahab too, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, uh, don't don't forget all this, but uh, uh, you know, stay tuned. Keep up with us because that's all the time we have for today's program. <laughs> so now on our next program, Grant and I will continue with chapter thirty-seven, and we will get into chapters thirty-eight and thirty-nine. And believe me, you are going to enjoy those, and we're going to hope to reach on to chapters forty and forty-one. So you can buy Moby Dick at Amazon.com. You may be able to also find a good use copy at abebooks.com. You may be also to find a copy at your local bookstore. Now, of course, you can also check your local library. In the next few weeks, I will be discussing with you the new series coming up for JBL. I already mentioned to you last time about Shakespeare's podcast, so don't miss out on that podcast. So please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at jbliterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for just the best literature. So until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.